meditation, and it's going to be a pretty good episode. Mark has a lot of really good ideas about meditation. I oh, think no. it's good to talk about meditation after the holidays. The, yeah, you know, I stress. think so definitely after the holidays, hopefully it wasn't too stressful for people. But if anyone does need to decompress, you're in the right spot because, boy, do we have some tips for you. <laughs> you know, it's sad that the holidays are stressful for many people. Mm-hmm. And it's not only family, but I think for a lot of, you know, being around family, but uh, I think a lot of it is about finances mm-hmm. uh, become an issue for many families in January, because often, you know, families spend too much. So there is a certain amount of stress. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the boundaries. You know, right. we talked about that right. back in November, early November boundaries. You got to have those boundaries. But there's also certainly plenty of other reasons for stress besides right. for meditation. Well, and, yes. and for meditation to have a meditative practice. So what is meditation? Let's divide it into two main categories. And the first one I'll label as spiritual meditation. And I want to say I'll start, we aren't going to go into that one because that is probably particular to many different religious um, yeah. traditions mm-hmm. or spiritual traditions. And so there are many people who practice a meditative pra- uh, or have a meditative practice that's specific to their spirituality. Now, I think probably the most common way people think of meditation in a spiritual way is probably prayer, Mm -hmm. which I agree that for many people, maybe not everyone, but I think for many people, prayer is a really good example of a spiritual meditation. But so that's not what we're going to talk about today. Let me just give a definition of meditation. It can be defined as a set of techniques that are intended to encourage a heightened state of awareness and focused attention mindfulness that leads to calm yeah so you can see that that is that has no religious or spiritual terms in it and Mm -hmm. i think it's really about the mindfulness it's about focus and about calm Mm -hmm. so that's the thing that we're going to focus on today is that type of meditation right so I think that a meditative practice is something that everyone should incorporate into their life. People maybe have this misguided representation of what meditation actually is or what it's supposed to be. And really meditation can be anything. I was looking over the outline that you had sent and meditation can really be anything that you just described, as long as it is bringing you into a heightened state of awareness, focused attention, and it's helping you feel calm that's meditation. And it's going to look different for everyone. And it can really be anything. I think spiritual rituals or practices such as prayer can be extremely helpful, but they're not your only option, certainly. You know, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this episode is that at least in my office, a lot of people, either they don't understand, like they have no idea what a meditative practice is, or they have some misunderstanding about what it is. Mm -hmm. And so often they think of it, I think the typical thing you might think of is East Indian people who are sitting cross-legged on the floor and silent for, you know, all day long and, you know, nothing's happening. Yeah. 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 And and, and I suppose that is a type of meditative practice if you're over in India and at an ashram. 
but that's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what we want to do in this episode is to really give ideas about, well, a couple of things. Why meditate, which is Mm -hmm. what we'll talk about next. You know, what are the benefits that come? But even more than that, or what are some ideas for someone who has never had a meditative practice? How would you start doing that? And that and that's what I cover with a lot of people in my office is how do you actually start doing that? So, you know, that's that's what I hope listeners get out of this uh, today is a, a place where you can start. And I'm and I'll say, you know, again, at the start that to really do a good meditative practice, there's so many options out there. Listeners are going to have to do some homework. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to try and give you ideas of places you can go to look for ideas, but really it's, there's, there's so much out there that you have to try things out and you have to find something that works for you. So Mm -hmm. that's uh, really the idea that we're going to get across in this episode is what are the places you can go to look for practices? So the first thing, why meditate? Now the benefits of meditation have really, they've been researched pretty extensively and again, I don't, I'm not going to bring up all the research. I'm going to give you the research terms that I use. So if you just go on, if you go on Google and you say research benefits of meditation, it is going to pull up all, you know, there are so many different studies that are going to talk about this. If the listeners are interested in what is the research that's actually been done. So I'm just going to kind of bullet point the things that are important. So what we know meditation does, it helps reduce stress, it helps control anxiety, promotes emotional health. Now, I like this one, it enhances self-awareness. Now, if you think about the therapeutic process, I think maybe the number one benefit of the therapeutic process is to help people become more self-aware. I think meditation is certainly a tool to do that. Mm-hmm. It can lengthen your attention span. Now, there's some research that shows it can reduce or might reduce age-related memory loss. Now, that's something I'm I'm certainly interested in. Uh (laughs) Here's another one. can generate kindness. Now, I'm going to give a, with with that, I have a meditation. It's called Loving Kindness, and it's by a man named Ronald Siegel. And you spell that last name S-I-E-G-E-L. Now, if you go to his site, so if you just search for Ronald Siegel, who is a psychologist, and he has this free on his site, and it and you'll see it, it's called Loving Kindness. And I really like that. And so it's one that can help you generate kindness. Uh, the next one, it may help fight addiction. It certainly helps improve sleep. And there's a lot of work that's been done around using it to help control chronic pain. And, you know, within the, I mean, the last few years, probably the last 10 years, you know, the opiate crisis has certainly, you know, been on the minds of a lot of people. And so we're looking for other ways in which, you know, you can help people who do have chronic pain. And meditation is certainly helpful for that. And then one that, that I'm interested in, too, it can decrease blood pressure. So if you have high blood pressure and you don't necessarily want to get on medication, then it can certainly do that. So those are some of the benefits of meditation. And with the blood pressure, I would imagine that it's really just because you're focusing on being calm 
And we know that stress has a direct correlation with blood pressure. You know, people who have heart issues, you know, one of the things they're saying, if you don't want to have a heart attack, don't get stressed. Right. right? You can stay calm. <laughs> But Which is not, often difficult to do. Yeah, that's not life. I mean, you no. Know, it's not, <laughs> no, that's not life. It's not realistic or a worthwhile life to just stay at home and try to avoid stress. So I think a much better practice is just to incorporate meditation. I mean, everyone's yeah. going to have stress. And I think if you have a life at all worth living or if you have a fulfilling and a happy life, there's going to be elements of stress in it because – there's going to be lots of people involved. There's going to be relationships and that's going to generate a certain element of stress. And I think it means that you're living a full, happy and an all-inclusive life with those around you and you're interacting with people around you. And I think that's a good thing, but I think managing your stress is also a good thing. And meditation would be a perfect way to manage stress. So I think one of the important words you just mentioned, managing your stress. Yeah. And I know we've mentioned this in past episodes, You'll never get rid of all your stress no. or all your anxiety. That and that's not the point. That it, you know, in in these episodes where you talk about anxiety or we talk about uh, stress, the goal is not to get rid of it because you can't. As no. as you just mentioned, that's not life. And so it's about managing your stress. And and so I think I've mentioned the curve that shows that as your anxiety, your stress goes up your productivity actually goes up as well until you hit this certain point where the stress or the anxiety becomes too much and then your productivity takes a nosedive. Mm -hmm. And so the important thing is you don't, you want to keep it in, I call it the sweet spot where you have some stress or some anxiety, but it's not overwhelming and it's not paralyzing. doesn't stop you from achieving your goals, Mm -hmm. which too much stress often does or too much anxiety. So you're right. It's all about managing. And I think meta, a meditative process is a really good way to manage one's stress and one's anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And so before we get into meditative practices, which is where we're going next, I want to see what your opinion is on something real quick. Do you think following a daily routine can be a sort of meditative practice? Right. Okay, so I agree with that. Okay, and the reason I bring this up is the last two weeks in particular, my whole family has been completely out of their routine with winter break from school, which has been fantastic in a lot of ways. And I always look forward to it because it means I don't have to get up early and I don't have to get the kids ready for school. And we just kind of have lazy days. If we want to hang out in our PJs all day, we can. But as it's coming to a close, I'm really starting to think, hmm. I'm really looking forward to getting back into my routine. It's like, you know, I'm ready for the chaos and the, I guess, lack of daily organization to be done with. And so I'm wondering if routines can often be a meditative practice. Well, see, I I would say that the word I'd use is unpredictability is really hard for us. And so Uh one thing that routine gives us, and I think it's especially true for children, That if you have a routine, it gives them that predictability, which gives them the sense of safety and and in some ways a sense of control, or at least they have control over their routine and their parents are certainly in control. And so when you live in a home or when a child lives in a home that is chaotic Mm -hmm. or unpredictable, it's certainly the opposite of calm and it is stressful. 
So I agree. I think routines are really helpful for people. Yeah. And not that we haven't enjoyed these last two weeks. And honestly, I think that it's good for kids to every once in a while get out of their normal routine. I think it helps them learn at a young age to adapt because, you know, not constant chaos, but, you know, I mean, I think it's good for kids' routines to every once in a while kind of just be thrown up in the air so that they can see, well, life doesn't always follow the set routine that you want and you have to be adaptive. I think trying to help kids learn adaptability at a young age is probably a good thing. Right. Here's something for our listeners to remember. Okay. Flexibility is the hallmark of a healthy mind. Okay. Yeah. I... When people are too rigid, mm-hmm. that means they're really unhealthy. And so you're right. And, you know, you're talking about adaptability. I'd just use the word flexibility mm-hmm. that, um, you know, even flexibility with some predictability, but to, to be flexible is a healthy mental exercise. So yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. But then, you know, your kids, that, that's the reason like summer vacation or even holiday mm-hmm. vacation is so great because it yeah. gives you this time off and you're a little flexible and you do something different. But you're right. At some point, you as, you know, the parent and probably even your kids, even though they uh-huh. probably aren't able to verbalize it, you know, want to get back to that certain routine. And oh, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh. Okay, some examples of meditative practices, and this is not going to be all inclusive. I've tried to think about, you know, all the different ways that people meditate. And so, and these are in no particular order either. Mm -hmm. So the first one I'm going to mention is what I call guided imagery, which I may have mentioned before. And guided imagery, when I tell people that I'd like them to try guided imagery, they're in my office and they have, most people have no idea what that is. So I thought that what we could do is take two minutes and we're going to listen to a particular clip that's it's uh, the first two minutes of an 18 minute guided imagery. And it, this is specific to walking meditation. Okay. Now, walking meditation is a type of meditation where you're out walking. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, uh, you know, after we're done with listening to this clip. But the reason I wanted to do this one specific to walking meditation is also there are a lot of people who come into the office who say they can't sit still. Mm-hmm. Because in, in a typical meditative process, you know, you want to sit still or lie down for maybe 10 minutes to 20 minutes. And, you know, either if you have a ADHD or if you, you know, have, you know, high anxiety then it's, it's difficult for you to stay still. And so walking meditation is a perfect solution to this mm-hmm. because you can put on headphones or earbuds, you know, whatever you have, and you can listen to uh, something that's similar to what we're going to listen to uh, in a second. And you can be out walking so you don't have to be still. And often that is really helpful for people. So mm-hmm. listeners, if you are one of those people who say, I can't sit still. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do this. My mind wanders. Try walking meditation. So uh, this clip is, um, I'll, I might as well give this website, which I think I've done before in previous episodes. It's called healthjourneys.com. It's my favorite website to go to look for guided imagery. That's where this comes from. The woman who's talking, her name is Bella Ruth Napperstack. She's a psychologist. 
he that's her voice. I am very particular to her voice. I also like her content. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to start this two minutes. I'll stop it. You know, again, it's two, the first two minutes of an 18 minute walking meditation. To begin with, gently shake your body out a little bit and then see if you can allow your shoulders to drop to a balanced, comfortable place, letting your knees unlock. You might even want to try shifting your weight back and forth on your feet from side to side for a bit until you have a comfortable sense of your balance between your own two feet. And just taking a nice, full, slow, cleansing breath. And breathing out as fully as you comfortably can. Looking around your environment. And checking out the ground. And the sky. And everything around you. And again, taking another slow, even, deep breath, way down into the abdomen if you can, and exhaling as fully as you comfortably can. And now, still very aware of your breath, moving in and out, rhythmically and steadily, you can begin to walk at an easy, thoughtful pace, attending fully to your surroundings, opening all of your senses to the richness of the environment. Okay, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Hi there, my name is Maya Acosta, and I'm the host of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast, where I explore ways that we can optimize our health. I learned about the field of lifestyle medicine, which uses evidence-based approaches to prevent, halt, and in even some cases, reverse disease. These are lifestyle modalities, such as using certain foods as medicine, using exercise to reverse disease, managing our stress, and even getting adequate sleep. Join me and the amazing people that I get to talk to as I set out to learn how taking better care of ourselves can help us both improve the quality of life and enhance our longevity. Let's get started. So the reason I like this clip is that it has, you know, most of the elements of a typical guided imagery. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you'll notice is nice music, which I kind of yeah. like, you know, there's, yeah. I, what is it, a harp? Maybe it's a harp or, you know, yeah. something just in the background. And I think it's pretty peaceful. So there's always going to be that type of thing, right. you know, right. just in the background. And the other thing that's pretty typical is her voice. <laughs> Did you notice her voice oh, yeah. is pretty calm? She's and speaking soft. slowly and soft. Yes. And you, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, did you feel your blood pressure lower while you right. she, <laughs> while you were listening I mean, to that? And maybe I'm just particular to her voice. And I'll tell you how I've used her guided imagery in a minute. But so that that's it. Then the breath. 
So the breathing is something that's going to be typical for any meditative process. In a bit, we'll talk about some of the apps like Headspace or Mm -hmm. 10% Happier, those types of things. There's always going to be an element of breathing. And in fact, there's some, you know, meditative practices that are just about breathing. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is that if you breathe correctly or correctly, I don't know if that's the right word, but if you Mm -hmm. breathe in certain ways, you can get your heart rate to slow down, which is going to naturally help calm you down. So it's got that. And it, and so guided imagery, she is telling you what to do. So it's not like you have to think, okay, what am I going to do on this 20 minute walking meditation? You're going to listen and she's going to guide you through that Mm -hmm. now. And that's certainly the case with guided imagery that you might be sitting at home in a quiet space or lying down on your couch. That's the way I like to do it is lying on the couch. Although I will acknowledge that uh, most people would say, don't do guided imagery lying down. And the reason is you'll fall asleep. Yep. <laughs> I've never found that to be a problem myself. I mean, I fall asleep, so that, that's fine. But for most of them, they'll say sit in a chair. Mm-hmm. So guided imagery, like if, and again, I'm going to recommend at least as a start, that you could go to this website called healthjourneys.com. And what you'll find is guided imagery specific to a certain issue, for instance, anxiety, You'll find one on anxiety. You'll find one on anger. I think there's one on stopping smoking. Okay. And so if you just put in the search term of whatever it is you're interested in, for instance, overcoming trauma, I just remembered mm-hmm. that there's a one about that. It'll pull up all the different downloadable MP3 files that you can use. Uh, the other thing that I like about this is they're fairly inexpensive. They're only you know around $15 okay. for each one that you download. So it's not like a big investment. Yeah. Uh, but So that's guided imagery. And I don't know that we'll talk any more about it. Do you have any questions about that? Is that something you were familiar with, Liz? I think I've done guided imagery before when I did counseling back when my first child was born, when I had postpartum depression, before I did medication, I did counseling. And one of the things that the therapist did is he had me just right there in his office sit relax and he walked me through a guided imagery meditation and he guided me through a scenario and he kind of let me pick the imagery I guess but he guided Mm -hmm. me through you know I want you to picture something like this and I want you to picture something like this and it was really helpful so so I'd like to take a minute to share a couple meditative experiences that I've had that have been Mm -hmm. helpful and you can find guided meditation online but there's certainly other options. So one thing that I've done when I've been unable to fall asleep, and I don't remember where I got this from, but what I'll do is if I can't fall asleep, I will lay down, you know, completely relaxed. And then what I'll do is I'll just, I'll focus on relaxing every muscle in my body and I'll start head to toe, which and is- that's a that's a very typical one. So yeah, this is good. a very- Yeah, this is a typical form of meditation, and I almost never make it to my toes because it works really well, and it helps me fall asleep. And, you know, and you just, you focus on every muscle in your body. So, I mean, you start with your face and your head and your skull, and, you know, you may not think you're carrying tension in some of these muscles until you actually think 
about these muscles and you think about relaxing them. And I am someone who carries their tension in their muscles. So I often, very, very often, I carry my tension in my eyebrows. I almost always have my eyebrows raised. I'm sure you've noticed that a lot during these podcasts, that my <laughs> eyebrows are very typically raised and I carry a lot of tension in my shoulders. And I do it very, very subconsciously. And so I think it's a good meditative practice, if nothing else, just to reduce the tension in your body by just focusing on your muscles and just focus on releasing the tension in your body. That's a form of meditation. Yes. And that's a really good form of meditation. And so I was going to mention yoga mm -hmm. and we'll talk a little bit about yoga, but there is a specific type of yoga called yoga nidra, N-I-D-R-A. And if you go onto YouTube, which if you go onto YouTube and search for meditation, there, I don't know how many, just countless, millions, uh, probably you know, millions. meditative things that you can use. But yoga nidra is one that a lot of people think is really, really helpful. But I think the core to that is what you just mentioned, is mm -hmm. that full body scan is yeah. what we call it, full body scan, tightening, releasing, and it goes through in very detail, you know, like the fingers tighten. If you, I don't know how you tighten fingers, but your hand and mm -hmm. things like that. And you go, you know, right side, left side, top to bottom. Oh, yeah. And so it's a very systematic way to do what you just described. Mm -hmm. So, yoga in general, I think, is a good meditative practice that a lot of people get involved with. And I think the overall philosophy of yoga is about connecting the mind, the body, and the spirit. And I think yoga, central to yoga, is also that idea of really getting in, stretching, getting in touch with your body. And I think it incorporates those things you were just talking about, you know, releasing the stress in different parts of your body. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would caution people with yoga is that there are some yoga practices that are really about intense exercise. They, yeah. You know, They've changed it, some practices in such a way that, you know, it's about getting your heart rate up, things like that. I don't think those are necessarily meditative yoga practices. Most yoga studios that I'm familiar with are exercise are based, typical yoga, where, you know, it's about really calming yourself. And many of my clients find that to be incredibly helpful. Okay. Lindy does it at home. Now, a lot of people go, like to go to the yoga studio. Lindy has this old DVD, which tells you how old it is, because <laughs> most, most people may not, many people may not even know what DVDs are. Anyway, she has this old DVD that she uses several times a week that mm -hmm. um, is really very helpful for her. So she doesn't have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So yoga is another way to do guided imagery. Here's one. I don't know if I've ever talked about this, what I do. I think I talked about it on the radio show a couple of weeks ago. You did. And I remember that. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> that's something I didn't know about you. Yeah. So every morning, so I get up earlier than anyone else. I'll be up by five and from five to six, typically before I exercise, because I talking about routine, I have this typical routine I follow that I, I find really helpful. And in the first hour, what I'm doing is needlepoint or cross stitch is mm -hmm. more accurate. And I've been doing it for years. And what it's similar to, I think some listeners may be familiar with the adult coloring books or art books where they were pretty common a couple of years ago. You don't hear much about them now, but as a mindfulness practice and a meditative practice, 
just to color in. Sometimes they're pretty detailed designs, mm-hmm. but I find doing my cross stitch to be that for me. Usually it'll be quiet. I'm not listening to anything. No one else is up in the house. And so I find it very meditative because it's in some ways, it's kind of mindless for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still thinking, but really it, it allows me to focus on that particular aspect of what I'm doing in the moment, but also my mind is pretty free. Which also sounds like the same thing that some people might get from any sort of yarn work, like looming or knitting or crocheting. Right. Right. I think there are a lot of things you could do. I think my daughter probably gets it. She does crochet. And, you know, so you're right. All of those types of things, knitting. Mm -hmm. Which I crochet as well. And let me tell you, it's not meditative for me. (laughs) (laughs) I, I enjoy it, but I mean, when I'm doing it, I notice my body is very tense when I do it. And so, okay. I mean, it's it's something I do and I enjoy, but I would not call it meditative for me at all. So, I mean, right. I just and want so to that's put that out there. Remember, for some people, it's yeah. not going to be. <laughs> uh-huh. Enjoyment doesn't necessarily equate to <laughs> calm and meditation. No. Anyway, I've noticed I've been doing this for quite a few years. I can't remember. I, what happened, I did it when we first started, when we Lindy and I were first married. Mm -hmm. about 45 years ago. And then I went back, I went to graduate school and I stopped because I just didn't have any time. And it's something that I have gotten back into, say in the last, oh, 10 years. And I've really noticed that it helps me stay calm. Mm -hmm. And so I like it a lot. So there's that type of thing. And those adult, I don't know what else to call them, adult coloring books where they're really quite, you know, intricate designs that you can color. They, those are also helpful. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to breath work just for a moment. So breathing is central to any meditative process. And there's a book. This is a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. His name is Thich Nhat Hanh. Spelled out T-H-I-C-H, Thich, and uh, N-H-A-T, and then the last name H-A-N-H, Thich Nhat Hanh. And he's written many books on meditation, but he has one called Breathe You Are Alive. And so it's just about breath work. And one of the things that I try and help clients do is use their breathing to calm down Mm -hmm. and to meditate. And, you know, it's very important to breathe in the right way when you're doing that. And I think we've talked about this before, the difference between a deep breath and a shallow breath. And one way you can tell is if you stretch out, I think this is best done if you're laying down or at least stretching out and you put one hand on your chest and one hand on your stomach. And what you want to do is breathe in such a way that your chest does not move at all. Mm -hmm. Now you can do that. And for some people, it's easy. For others, it's difficult. If you you were a singer or often in band, uh, you you have to breathe in a certain way. And those people really get it. And they know how to do it, but for many people, it's really foreign. And so if you lay down and you focus on the breath, and here's what you do. You count the breath in and out as one, two, three, and you go up to 10, and then you cycle back. And so the counting just acts as a distractor, Mm -hmm. mostly. This is something you could do. You know, you mentioned trouble falling asleep. This is something that you can easily do, you know, in bad line in bed is the deep breath and counting the breaths. 
Um, now, the other thing you can add to that, and some people are good at this and some people aren't. Some people are good at visualizing like a peaceful place and others have trouble with that visualization. But if you then include, or even instead of counting, you could visualize your peaceful place. For me, my peaceful place is a green forest up in the mountains in the Uintas. There are common ones like ocean and beach is a common one. Yep. That people have. And mountains and green is another common one. And some people really love the Red Rock Desert, you know, in southern Utah, which we have so much of. So it doesn't matter what your peaceful place is, but if you're doing that deep breath, mm-hmm. counting one, you know, up to 10, starting over, and then visualizing the peaceful place, that is a really good meditative practice. Another resource that I'd like to bring up to listeners, particularly anyone who has Samsung, which I feel like the world is divided up into Samsung users and Apple users. I feel like you're one or the other. (laughs) Right. Uh, Anyway, so anyone who has Samsung, if you go to the Samsung Health app, and it's just literally just having you focus on breathing, is teaching you how to breathe in a relaxing manner. It basically guides you through breathe in for this long, hold for like a second, and then... Mm -hmm exhale for this long which is very calming i mean it's amazing how we don't even think about breathing it's i think it's called a secondary function or right it's an automatic function yeah it's it's an automatic yeah it's an automatic function we don't have to think about breathing but when we do actually stop and think about our breathing it's very very calming Mm -hmm. yeah because you can control it and there are many different ways to control it and that's one of the things that you can read more about You can find interesting things on YouTube about that as well. Mm -hmm. So breath and the way we breathe is really important. Yeah, I wanted to go back to walking meditation and just mention one thing really quickly that I can't remember if we've talked about EMDR uh, in previous episodes as a therapeutic process, but for many people, they're either interested in EMDR or they're actually using EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing Mm -hmm. is what the EMDR stands for. And so we won't go into what that is, but it essentially is you're moving your eyes while you are reprocessing a traumatic memory. Here's the interesting thing about walking is that walking gives you that same type of eye movement. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very much into walking, although I think for some people, the MDR works really well, but the, it's something you should know about walking, that there are other benefits and there are things going on. The connection between your eyes and what's happening in your brain is different when you're walking than when you're sitting. Mm-hmm. And it's a positive thing. Yeah. And, you know, we think of walking as, you know, pretty good exercise or, you know, you're, you're moving while you're listening to this meditation, but there's actually other things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I want to mention are the apps. And yes. uh, I would guess that most of my clients use apps. And the reason they do that is because they're generally shorter. So if you think of a common one as Headspace, mm-hmm. which is a good one, I think Calm is another one. 10% Happier is one. And I think they're all very similar. One of the things that makes the use of those apps successful is that they're shorter. They remind you, they probably send out a reminder on your phone says, Mm -hmm. have you done your headspace today? 
Yep. Now, and so I'll, I'll give you that contrast between, say, guided imagery and the app. And the, the thing with guided imagery is I think that's kind of, for me, I'd call it the gold standard of meditation, but it's about 20 to 25 minutes. Okay. And interestingly, people who are trying to calm down say, I don't have enough time yeah. to do the 20 to 25 minutes. Yep. They will commit to the 10 minutes a day. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, um, you know, if I could convince them that, yeah, maybe you really need to slow down to 20, you know, and take 20 minutes uh-huh. every day. But, you know, if you really feel like you don't have the time headspace, I have a lot of clients who find that to be incredibly helpful. That's the one I'm most familiar with. Mm-hmm. But I also have clients who use the others who think they're really helpful as well. So as a wrap up to this on meditation, I think something that's really important for listeners to understand, you talked about routine earlier, Mm -hmm. where you get the most benefit from this is if you make it a daily practice. Yep. And that is hard for a lot of people. But if you're doing it once a week, I think you'll see some benefit. You aren't going to see all of the benefits that you really could if you made it a daily practice. And so that's why people use Headspace. They can do that every day. Mm-hmm. But the other thing to remember is you don't have to do the same thing every day. Okay, you know, one day you might point. use a longer guided imagery. One day you might use headspace. One day you might do yoga. Oh, here's another one I forgot to mention. And I don't do this, but I hear so many people say when they run mm-hmm. or when they bike, it is a meditative process to them. And they all use kind of the same term or similar term where they get in the zone. Is what they say. Yes. And so I have not done that before. Are you a runner? I think you told, do you run? I was a runner in high school, but I recently, this last year, I picked up biking and I know exactly what you're talking about of getting in the zone. And when you're getting in the zone, at least for me, it's when I'm trying to get into the anaerobic heart rate range. Because if I'm biking, then chances are, if I do my typical 30 minute bike ride, I'm at least going to get into the aerobic heart rate range, which for me is, I think it's somewhere between like 130 something and then 153 is the top of the aerobic. The anaerobic heart range for me is 154 plus and getting into that is difficult. And I really have to focus. I have to push myself. If I'm listening to something, I have to turn it off so I can get into that range because I won't listen to what I'm listening to my mind, you know, so it takes, it takes intense focus to get into. Right. And, and there are all sorts of physiological things that are happening that are positive yes. uh, for you in that moment. And so uh, I have not experienced that, but I have had so many people say that. So biking and running. I don't know if you could achieve the same thing swimming. Uh, you might be able to, but I don't know, uh, because biking swimming, and running are the ones that my clients have yeah, because, uh, really mentioned. Right. Because swimming is so incorporating your whole body, which was, and it's really the best workout for you is swimming because yeah. it's so low impact on your joints and it's using your entire body and it's really, really healthy for you. But it's also the hardest to do because I mean, the process of going to and from a swimming pool is well, well the water's a cold. Process. That's what I would say. It's too not, cold if you go, not if you go to a swimming pool. I'm thinking indoor <laughs> swimming pool that you do year round. Yeah. I'm not. Go- I'm not going swimming in the lake now. No way. So I just want to emphasize: you don't have to do the same thing every day. 
Mm-hmm. And I think some people would get really bored about with that. I would. But, yeah. So the important thing is that you're doing some sort of meditative practice most days. Now, I always say every day, nothing happens every day because as we yeah. said, life is sometimes chaotic and unpredictable, which is, you know, in some ways what we want. We want that excitement. We're living a full life. But most of the time you want to be having a some sort of meditative practice daily. Even if it's just sitting for 10 minutes and you're just focusing on being relaxed and breathing, that's literally meditation. If that's, That's if, and if it works for you, then it works for you and and that's fine. It doesn't have to follow any sort of, I don't know, set guidelines as long as it's mindful and peaceful for you. Right. So I'll circle back around to, I think I started with this. It takes a lot of homework for our listeners to find what works for them. Yeah. And so hopefully we've given enough ideas that they have a place to start, but it's really about going out and finding, okay, this works, this works, that doesn't work and figuring it out. Cause there's so much out there, so many things that we could do. Mm-hmm. It's just making that conscious effort to have that type of meditative practice on a daily basis. Yep. Hugely beneficial. Yes. So meditation is something everyone should be doing. All right, so next week we are going to get into anxiety. A couple months ago we did kind of a deep dive into depression, and so we're going to get into anxiety next, which I think is a pretty good segue from meditation because meditation is extremely helpful. In fact, if anyone around you is ever having a panic attack, the number one thing you can help them do is focus on their breathing. Don't tell 